we've been doing the Advent wreath, and the first candle we lit was the prophet's candle, which foretold of the Messiah's coming. The second candle that was lit, lit, <laughs> lit, represented the ancestor's candle that talked about Jesus' humanity and showed his lineage here on earth. Last week, we lit Mary's candle, talked about her and her faithfulness to accept what God was, was doing. And this week, the fourth candle is the shepherd's candle. And we'll be talking about the shepherds here in a little bit. So, we know that the birth of the Messiah was foretold in in, in prophecy, and where he would be born. And we know from last week that Mary knows that she will be the one who bears the Messiah. And some other things have transpired. You know, Joseph had his visit from the angels telling them to go ahead and take Mary as his wife. Um, and so they, they did all this, and yet they're in Nazareth. Nazareth is, if you go about the straightest way possible, roughly around a 70-mile hike, and it's not easy terrain. It's pretty rough terrain. So God needed to come up with a way to get Mary and Joseph to head to, head to Bethlehem. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census was to be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. So God uses Augustus Caesar, who was the ruler of the Roman Empire at that time, to order a census. Back then, censuses weren't too uncommon. They were, they were fairly, a fairly common thing that they would use to find the young men who would serve in the military or for tax purposes to make sure that the empire was getting its fair share of taxes from all of its citizens. In Judea, they were exempt from the military one, but not the tax one. And they wanted these people to go back to their family homes, traditional homes, uh, where, where their family was from. And since Joseph and Mary are of the lineage of David, they, had, they would have to travel back to Bethlehem. <clears throat> so you got to think about this for a minute, guys. Yeah, and... This is a question for men and women. You know, when your wife was pregnant, did you ever say, hey, honey, let's go on a 70-mile hike? <laughs> you know, let's go up in the Wind River Mountains and we'll just hike for 70 miles. 
Sounds like a good time, doesn't it? <laughs> Women are sitting here going, uh, no. Yeah. But that that's in all likelihood what what transpired here was they they had to more than likely walk. In the pictures and things and, and everything, we see the possibility. They always show Mary riding on a donkey. I have a hard time picturing a pregnant woman riding on a donkey, though. That's got to be so uncomfortable. But it, it's possible that they had, they had a donkey, so she could have rode part of the way. She could have walked part of the way. But in all likelihood, the 70-mile journey, which is probably the straightest part of the journey, was not the route that they took because that took them through directly through Samaria. Remember the Samaritans? We've talked about them before where Samaria and the Jews, they really didn't like each other, didn't get along too well. They probably first from Nazareth headed east to the Jordan River and then down the Jordan back across the Jordan River at Jerusalem, and then down to Bethlehem, which would have been somewhere in the 90 to 100-mile distances. And in those days, they, they figure most people uh, could walk about 20 miles a day, but I don't see a woman who is pregnant very close to her due date, you know, hiking 20 miles a day every day. That trip alone, for most people, would have taken probably about four to five days. You can figure for Mary and Joseph, it took a week or more for them to make that trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And then while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So they, they did make it to Bethlehem, and she gives birth to Jesus, but there's no room in the inn. And, and inns back in those days, it was either a, you know, and the word that's used here could have been used in two different ways. Could, could indicate the, the type of inn where we'd think similar to maybe a hotel, although they weren't like that back in those days, um, or a, a public place to, to go and you could pay and stay, or the, the, the word that's used for in could have been a large room off of someone's private home. So it's very possible that they had relatives there. And this is just a, the, the room that's being referenced here is just a large room that's off of their house that, that would have been for guests and things. And, and that's full. So they end up in the manger or in the stable where, where the animals were kept. And, and back in those days, the, a lot of houses were either built over that type of a structure where the, the, the stable. And if you go to Bethlehem today and to the Church of the Nativity, which is one of the very first churches, Christian churches built. Um, it's over this cave that they believe is what, what, what was the stable that Jesus was born in. So you can see a place that they, they identify as the birthplace of Jesus. And it's, it's just a cave 
where it's got stalls and things and animals would have been kept in there and they would have had those mangers set up for feeding, which is where Jesus gets laid after he's swaddled. And, you know, they talk about him being wrapped in swaddling clothes. Um, Our grandson was here this last week for a visit and my daughter would every night before he went to bed, they swaddle the babies now. I don't remember doing that when our kids were little. But they swaddle them, and I mean, it's like, they can't move. Their head just sticks out of this wrap. And it, it's so they're not, you know, moving their hands around and, and, and sticking their, their fingernails in their eyes or something. But... Um, you know, Jesus was wrapped in that, in that fashion. He was swaddled and laid in the manger to, to you know, because they, they didn't have a bassinet or a crib or anything. That's what they had. And then in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. Why does that seem like an understatement? You know, if you've ever gone out here um, around Riverton, get outside of the, where the city lights are and on, a, on a dark night and even, even on a moonlit night, you know, it's dark. The moon can light up some things, but if, if you've got no moon, it's dark out there. You can see lots of stars. You can see... A lot of things you just can't see a long distance away, for one thing. But you're sitting there in the dark, and all of a sudden, here's this angel. Boom. I think I would be more than just terribly frightened. You know? And then, then they talk about the glory of the Lord shining all around them. So now, suddenly, it's bright. It's like daylight for, for the shepherds. And the, and the angel, and, and this is common every time we, we run into an angel appearing to someone, they say, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. They have to, you know, I realize I just frightened you. Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find, him, find the, a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is, he is pleased. The angel just made the birth announcement. I don't know, you know, how, how many of you when you had kids, you made, you made the birth announcement? You sent out an announcement to your family, your friends. You know, we have a little baby girl. We have a little baby boy. God sends out his birth announcement, and he uses angels. And he sends it to shepherds. The first people who receive this are shepherds. And when you look at at society in those days, shepherds were one of the lowliest people on the societal totem pole that there were next to tax collectors. 
They were, they were always, because of the animals that they worked with, they were always considered dirty or unclean. So here's these shepherds, they're out doing their thing. And, and the thing with, with Bethlehem is Bethlehem's about 20 miles from Jerusalem. So the sheep that they're watching are the sheep that are used in the sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. And the angels tell them of the birth, but that, the, the, that this, this child that is born who is Savior is not just for them, not just for the Jewish nation, but it's for all men. And it talks about God's peace being with all men with whom he is pleased. That idea that, that God gives us his peace there's nothing we can do to, to earn this. God sent Jesus here. Nothing we, we didn't deserve it. This is all God. We didn't earn it. We haven't deserved it. God sent his son to reconcile man and to back to him. And when the angels went away, um, from them into heaven. The shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statements which had been told them about the child. So, the angels get, deliver their message and they, they go back into heaven and the shepherds right away want to go and see what's happened. You know, let's go check this out. We've been told about this. Let's go find out. Let's go find it. So they go into Bethlehem. They find Joseph and Mary in the stable with the baby Jesus. And they begin to tell Mary and Joseph what had been told to them what the angels had done. And all who heard it wondered at these things, which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told to them. As the shepherds told Mary and Joseph as they were leaving, they began to praise God and tell others about what had happened. That they had, you know, the angels had visited. They told them about this Christ child, the Messiah being born. They have gone and seen the child. So as they're leaving Bethlehem, they're telling people of this. This time of year, you know, we, we get all tied up and wrapped up in, in a lot of the, the hoopla of Christmas. And you know, celebrating with family and, and those things and that, that's all, it's all fine. But do we lose, you know, do we lose track of what we're really celebrating on Christmas? And that was the birth of our Savior. And do we get excited about that? Is there joy in our hearts? Because you see in, in these shepherds, you see a joy that's in their hearts about what they had seen, what had happened, and they want to tell others about that, about that, what they have seen. 
Do we get excited about what God has done for us? Do we get excited enough to want to go out and tell others about our salvation, about a Savior who was born on Christmas Day, who later died on a cross for us, so we don't have to take the punishment for our sins, and we can have eternity with Him in heaven? Do we have that kind of joy in our heart that we want to do that? The shepherds did. The shepherds had that joy. They were out there all the time talking. You know, they were talking to people as they, they were going back to the fields. I'm sure when they got back to the fields, there were some they had to leave with the sheep who had seen the angels too. And they were telling them about seeing the baby, that it was true. All of those things that those angels told us was true. Mary, she treasured all of these things in her heart and pondered on them. And those, you know, do we take the time as, as we read God's word and we think about those things that God has done for us, do we treasure those? Do we treasure those in our heart? Because if we were treasuring those things in our heart, that would give us a joy that we would want to go and share with others. Do we ponder those things? Have you ever sat and thought, you know, about what God has done for us? Just take the time to think about that. <clears throat> what God did for us. That there was nothing, you know, we were separated from, sin, from him in sin. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't do, like Tom says, there's only two ways to get to heaven. One is to be perfect. We can't be perfect. The other is through Jesus Christ. As we get into this, this, la this week here leading up to Christmas, just take some time to reflect and remember what it is we're truly celebrating on Christmas Day. And we're celebrating the birth of our Savior. Set some time apart to spend time with God on that day as a family. Thanking God for sending his son, that Jesus was born, that he did come and he did die for you and I. And then, you know, have that joy. You know, you, you, you look at the, the story of the Christmas carol and Ebenezer Scrooge, and we can all at sometimes be like Ebenezer Scrooge, a little bit more bah humbug, you know, we can be a little bit more of the, the one line I always remember from, from that is Christmas, bah, another, another day to pick a man's pockets. And, and Scrooge, you know, you, at the beginning, he lacks joy. He lacks the joy of, of the reason for the season. And then he has the visitations, and by the end, he's changed. He wants to share what he has found with others. And we need to be like that. We need to share what we have found through accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior with others so that they too can share in that joy. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. <laughs> Father, we just uh, thank you for this season. We thank you for the time. Um, 
Lord, we just uh, give you thanks that you did send your son. He came to earth, Lord, um, unannounced to most, but announced to those who, who needed to know, Lord. Father, we just thank you for that love that you, you showed us. And Father, just help us to, to share that with, with others. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for all of this in Christ's name. Amen.